Threw some vodka in. <laughs> Into your milk. <laughs> That's a white. I have had a tequila and milk shot before. Ooh. That's just a white Russian, right? A white Russian has vodka, Kahlua, and milk in it. Oh, you said tequila. I did say yeah, tequila. Yeah, and with the vodka and milk, she left out the Kahlua, Kahlua. part, which makes it yeah. drinkable. drinkable. Well, uh, I'll start if y'all want. Since you started last time. Mm, sorry. I'm here. You sleepy baby. <laughs> that was a very effective <laughs> That was just for you. Snore. Yeah. I it was great. <laughs> I'm depressed that Lisa didn't hear it as crisply as I did. Click, 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 click. The sound of Adele. Hello. <laughs> I also feel like you said hello, like Lionel Richie style. <laughs> hello. Instead of hello. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was exactly the oh, same. Mine was hello, yeah. it's me. Oh, you Instead mean of, hello, it's me. No, she meant hello. It's, it's me. me. What is that? That's how that song starts. Oh, at the beginning. The, yeah. I th- okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to belt out the Yeah, there are the allergies. I can't do it. Nobody can do it. I, I normally You can. normally could have done it I if you didn't have, didn't have allergies. You're right. God damn it. Also, <clears throat> will you sing at my wedding then if no. Are you gonna have I allergies? Didn't say I could do it in tune. Okay, got it. So I can do it. <laughs> I I don't. I still okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a very good singer. If you don't need any specific notes, perfect. Mm-hmm. We just want some scatting as we're <laughs> oh, walking do down the aisle. I'll do scat man. I used to, when I was in high school, I was obsessed with that song, and I did memorize it, and I used to be able to actually like, pull off one of those verses, but... Such a funny song to be obsessed with. I, I like it's like riding thing. a bike. I'm sure you could just do it again. Scatting yeah. is just like riding a bike. That one and the uh, the Bare Naked Ladies song where they talk fast. I just like white people doing oh, fast rapping. Chicken China, the Chinese chicken. You have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking. Watch next house and no lights on. No one needs this. I hope Spooky Man's in this one. one. Like Harrison oh, God damn it. Like, <laughs> like Snickers guaranteed to satisfy. Everyone who is Like Kurosawa, I make math films. Okay, I don't make films. But if I did, they'd have a samurai. Like wasabi when I bust rhymes. Big like Leanne rhymes. Because I'm all about values. So against this. I try to match wits. He tries to hold me, but I bust through. Yeah. Okay. They were just clearing their throats. And that was the allergies. It was the allergies, and it came out as bare naked ladies. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. I don't know. No, that's the best conspiracy theory we've ever had on this. Mm-hmm. Is that if you get allergies bad enough, you become one of the bare naked ladies. 
Well, it's sad that none of them have names, you know. You know what's they funny? They do in Canada. Uh, I know one right now because a bare naked <laughs> lady is playing 310 AC Alive tomorrow night. Oh, Damn. just one? Yeah. Stephen Page. Oh. He uh, is one of the lead singers. It was two guys. Yeah. And uh, Did he see is... the dark haired one or the light haired fat one. Um, he wears glasses. It's the light-haired fat one. Anyways, oh, yeah. he's playing tomorrow night. If you should you go would see like him. to go. <laughs> well, this will come out long after that. Yep. But the other guy's name is Ed Robertson, and I think I now understand why we don't know their names. These are two very, very boring names. Well, what's this? So who was? It was John Popper, and then that guy, and then there were like two other guys that just looked like. Yeah. Chubby fat dudes that were in wildly popular John bands. John Popper was not just chubby. John Popper was awesome. As I recall. No, yeah, he was fat, but he, he got like, the stomach. Yeah, pain. like he was a big, big dude. Yeah. Now not he just looks, like casual. Now he's got that like, uh, <laughs> I hung a chunk. suit. I hung, I hung a suit without cleaning I know. it. On I On a wire hanger look that like Pendulette has too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just that, oops. Ugh. I feel bad for judging people on their bodies. Oh, you know, that's just another way to age. Okay. <laughs> well, I feel real old then. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <sighs> Hello terrible. from the other side. See, that's how you should have said it. That's so much better. Please, we- next time. Mm-hmm. Were you rehearsing that in your head this next time? Next time. Uh, Yes. Well, I don't know how much of this you want to cut out. <laughs> None of it. But podcasting gold. Yeah. Welcome to Weird Brunch. Gold medals for all of us. Mm-hmm. I'm Karina Magyar. I'm Lisa Friedrich. I'm Whitney Lamond. And we like it when white guys try to rap or talk fast in songs. Yeah. Talking On fast. occasion. <laughs> Here at Weird Brunch. <laughs> Weird Brunch. And also Blues Travelers Fan Club. Oh boy, I was. I, I'll admit it. In I high school, I was huge into them. Love that one. Song. I still think I like their first three albums. A harmonica bandolier is fucking tight. It is pretty tight. Yeah, and you need it because you can't tune a harmonica. So what happens when they change keys? Got to change harmonicas. It's true. It's not his fault he made it look cool yeah exactly god <gasps> i went and i saw a, a band that had a flute player in it the other a night. flautist a flautist thank you for the proper terminology and she had like a quiver on her back that was with different covered bows? In flowers uh-huh and like had like some soft lining and she kept her flute in there when she was because she'd sing Oh, dance, how cool. And then she'd whip it out and then play the flute. I'm holding it wrong. And then she'd <laughs> twirl it and stick it back in every time. It was the coolest. Thank you. That's did you, super did cool. Did you flout? I was in the band. Oh, shit. I banded around. You I was did. a clarinetist. You did a reed and a woodwind. That's very versatile. Isn't a clarinet oh, is a clarinet played a in front of yeah. you? Yeah. Like yeah a, oh, I'm I, thinking of an oboe. Also in front of you. Okay, hold on. So uh, when you're in band, you just play everyone's instruments because we're all fucking around. Oh. Um, Wow. Don't do that in choir. You just use your own voice. No. Well, I mean, band kids are very horny. I got out at an early age. Um, Hmm. 
and got off. You know what Not I mean? Not early enough. Um, <laughs> well, it, it hurt her time. Man, it was hard at 10 years old. Not it, to was, be. it was a rough yeah. middle school. Uh, <laughs> they, um, but yeah, so I've played a flute, but I don't play the flute. And then uh, clarinet and oboe are both woodwinds and they both have reeds. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. What? Yes. I thought the reed instruments were like the reed instruments. No, they're woodwinds. No, those are woodwinds. Oh. But the but there's a difference between the reed and the one you just blow into, right? That matters. That's a brass. Yeah. No, brass is where you have to spit into it. What? What? Yeah, you got to go. You can't I mean, just blow into a trumpet and make a noise. You got to spit right. while you're doing it. Okay. Right. I played trumpet. But like a flute, what is a flute? A flute is a woodwind, even though it it's doesn't have a not, reed. Okay, and it's not yes. made of wood. And it's not made yeah. of wood, unless you're very old. And neither is a saxophone. No. Which I thought was a brass. No, because no. it's got a reed. Oh man, it's been so long since I was in music memory class. <laughs> music memory class? Oh yeah. What is what? that? You had to memorize the instruments. We and had it to didn't memorize. Uh, yeah, well, that <laughs> we had to memorize classical music and the name of the song and the composer. What great the music Fuck. memory! I went to competition. Um, Wait, there's what? a competition. It was elementary school. Yeah. Like and a that's spelling how I know. This is the water music bum, bum, by George Frederick Handel. That's the only one I remember. <laughs> but I know that George is that Handel how you would remember wrote all of the them? water music. Yes, because they would set it to music. That's probably why everything that's set to music I can remember a lot easier. I think that is the same deal for most people. But yeah, yeah. but still, but yeah, that's wild. That's kind of awesome. I didn't know they had like a spelling bee style remember classical music competition. Yeah. That's some white shit. I was in future problem solving. I was in Olympics of the mind. Oh, fucking Owen motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. God. We didn't have that. Or maybe I was too dumb to know about it. I didn't know about it. I was in gifted and talented. I was in OM before it went national and it was just a little regional nerdy Colorado thing. It started in Colorado? It started in the West somewhere. Utah's. Oh, well, that's weird. New Mexico. Yeah. Hmm. And then it got to be a big deal, and I was shocked when other people were like, yeah, I was in OM, and I was like, how? I thought it was just my school, basically. But oh, yeah. Our, this, I'm, we are dragging, but <laughs> uh, my senior year, we, my, um, my theater group. Me too. Lean into your mind. My theater group won uh, one act play. Yeah. For um, 4A. And then state. And then I'm not bragging. I was best bragging. Yeah. The year I graduated. uh, Yeah. Which shall not be named. And then. um, Oh, my God. We. the, The OM group. Like they won some fucking huge award, too. And so the two groups went and met. Governor Rick Perry. Oh, no. It was a good time. How? Wait, this was in high school? This was in high school. How the fuck long was Rick Perry governor? Okay. A long time. Well, no, still, it's been a minute since you were in high school. I mean, just a small minute. (laughs) Um, I'm not, I can't talk to you on your birthday. You, You act all old and shit. Uh, um, <laughs> you act like you're dying of old age when I'm like sitting here eight years older than you right across the table. Oh, who's counting? Um, Me. 
So one of the teachers on this trip, he was like, y'all need to listen to your teachers and, you know, make sure you're making good grades. Just some fucking bullshit. Teacher sounds like Rick Perry. No, that was Rick Perry. And then my teacher was like, yeah, and, you know, maybe you could help us out with some teacher retirement fund. And (gasps) I was like, ooh. And then the other teacher was like, we need to go. It was fucking dope, though. That's awesome. They all jumped in a convertible and sped off. Yeah. Nice. Middle fingers in the air. Yeah. Rick Perry was is the first Texas governor to be elected to three four-year terms. Oh, Jesus. He wasn't. Oh when did God. he get out of office? Like. Well, he started in 2000. Six years ago? When did. Yeah, 2000 six. following. Oh, sorry. Is when he started. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. That's when I graduated. years. In 2000? Wait, only in 2000? No. Nah, that's when you were... No, I graduated in 2012 when he got out of office. Oh. oh. I was like, no. I was like, no, because now you're like claiming to be older than you yeah. are. Yeah. I would never. Anyways. I'm so confused. Back to shocking things about Lisa. Tonight, I'm going to talk about anthropodermic bibliopegy. That's my what I call my pussy. I know. Oh my god, it is shocking things about Lisa. So, what is anthropodermic bibliopegy? Hot question. Real quick, real quick aside. I am waiting for the episode when you guys just start shooting dirt at each other, and I get to sit and listen. That's the weird story. It all happens. Okay, that's fun. (laughs) That is fun. So, I'm going to say it one more time. Anthropodermic bibliopegy is the practice of binding books in human skin. Gross. As of May 2019, the Anthropodermic Book Project has examined 31 out of 50 known books supposed to have anthropodermic bindings. Okay. Okay. So there's only like 50 known in the world. That's... Seems about right. They've done thirty-one really of them. Has anyone called Ash? I don't know what that means. It's a it's, yeah. There Army are of darkness. This evil dead thing project has examined thirty-one of the fifty books, and of those thirty-one examined, only eighteen have been found to be actual human skin. What were the others? Monkey? The other thirteen were animal leather. Hmm. Well, the thing about monkey is is that um the way they do the testing most of the books that are bound in human skin in existence are from the 18th and 19th centuries are from john waters library that's recent and also nice (laughs) that's true too um but i'm shocked i thought this would be more of like a medieval no i i i don't know maybe they like all broke down or something, but oh, yeah. um, most of them are from that time period and they can only test certain things. And when they're testing it, it usually will come back as like a, like that type of genre. And so uh, they think it is human. So it could be. So it could all be monkeys. I mean, they were trying to breed people and apes. They <laughs> said that also people did not use monkey skin in that like any for any type of leather ever really i mean i'm sure it has been before but it's super rare yeah to use monkey skin as a leather okay 
Sounds like some fashion company is going to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read a lot about horse milk recently. Like there, you know, maybe monkey leather just didn't cut it. Like horse horse milk, milk you can't make into cheese because it's too sweet. Aww. So it's very similar to human breast milk. Anyway, that was a hole I went down a couple <laughs> days ago. Um, that's okay. I went down a had a duck's fuck hole, and that's terrible. A duck. Oh yeah, duck it's sex like, is. It's, yeah. It's yeah. in it all rape. Okay. Yeah. This is. I'm okay. so sorry. Anyways, the earliest reference of human bound books is in the Oxford English Dictionary from 1876. Merriam-Webster says it's really 1859, and the OED says it's from 1824. Um, So still, Wait, the OED is the Oxford English Dictionary. Wait, the earliest reference in the OED... Merriam-Webster said it was the other. Yeah, and Merriam said it was 1859... And the OED records instance of bibliopegist oh. for I just keep sorry for bookbinder was from 1824. <laughs> but when did the OED even start? It had to have been like right then, right? You down with OED? It was it was the late 18th century. That's actually an interesting story I should bring in for one of these weeks. Is how they built the Ooh. OED initially. It's really weird. It's basically like Wikipedia. Write it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so an early reference to a book bound in human skin is found in the travels of Zacharias Conrad von Uffenbach. Of course. Who wrote about it in his visit to Bremen in 1710. I knew this would be some German shit. Yeah, he said, we also saw saw a little duodecimo, which is kind of like a 24 like panel pamphlet almost like it's folded hmm. um duodecimo means 12 that's interesting duo decimo means 12 mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure it was 24 Two and 10. Not, i mean it could be it's maybe it's 12 tw- yeah yeah that makes sense um okay. i feel like i should leave why i'm not smart enough to be i here. looked up duodecimo because i was okay. curious to know what it was earlier okay so thank you. Don't worry. Don't it's not any, a common. <laughs> I don't have any term. excuse. I'll show myself out. Yeah, that's I'm, her just being smart. Sorry. We get it. You're smarter than I us. Just like so he said there was nothing remarkable about the duodecimo, and you couldn't understand why it was here until you read in the front that it was bound in human leather. Business in the front. It, it was an unusual binding, the like of which I had never before seen and it seemed especially well adapted to the book dedicated to more meditation about death you would take it for a pigskin that makes sense well yeah these are all necronomicons yeah right? I was gonna they're ask not all the okay books were. so let's talk about i mean the that's books. recent some of them could have been like gulliver's travels and shit well uh there's a few co- i i can get to that hold on okay so i want to Start with one of the cooler ones of example because they're fun. Um, okay, so there were there was a thing going on where uh, doctors 
didn't have access to cadavers. We all know about this, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Dug them up. Um, at the time, at the Royal College of Surgeons in Edinburgh, is it Edinburgh? Yeah. Uh, in Edinburgh, these doctors were like, fucking, we can't get any cadavers. The only people that you'll let us have are people who have committed suicide, people who were executed, or people like sad little orphans who die and are unclaimed. Like, those are the corpses we get, right? Jesus. And they just don't make yeah. good books. It's true. And just we like regular people, yeah. because it's Edinburgh, like everybody's Catholic. And so you have to be bar- like, there's all this shit. <laughs> and there are some doctors who start paying for just random cadavers on the side. Yeah. Right? Right. Um. So... This is when a guy, a couple guys named Burke and Hare come in and <laughs> Burke and Hare, murder mystery. Just kidding. They're the murderers. So what, what happens is William Burke has this like extra room and it's rented out and the person who's in the room dies randomly and he's like, shit, mm. what's up? hair come help me out and they are like well let's go sell it to these you know doctors and that was not a random death no no it was a random death Mm. the first one was a random death Mm. they're like let's do this and (laughs) so they go and they sell it they get seven pounds ten shillings for it and they're like that's a good amount for a body and a couple months later, I'm sorry, it was Hare who had the hotel or extra room. Hare is concerned because there's a lodger there who was having a fever and um, was ill. And Burke is like, yo, dog, let's do the thing again. And this time they decide to put that person out of his misery and sell the body again. And then it heavily escalates from there where they end up killing in total 16 people and selling their bodies for medical use. Um, Their wives were also supposedly probably involved, but they couldn't really pin it on the wives. Um, Burke ended up being hanged. And that's where we come back into book binding and human skin. Mm. Um, after his execution and his public dissection oh by Professor God. Alexander Monroe in 1829, what? his skin was used to preserve a notebook about doctor stuff and this is where moleskins came from there it is it's so cool right um moleskins notebooks is that real no okay (laughs) moleskin is a thing clearly for moles yeah is it really (laughs) (laughs) fuck i'm sorry i just know it's called moleskin oh Oh, i was thinking mole the rodent that would look more like a you know peachy they have peach ones and also, they can dye it. I know. I know all these things. Wow. All right. But it's not human skin on mole skins. All right. I'd like for you to prove it. <laughs> Here's the mole on my mole skin book. Um, so another one of the books is called The Narrative of the Life of James Allen, alias Jonas Pierce, alias 
James H. York, alias Burley Grove, the highwayman, being his deathbed confession to the warden of the Massachusetts State Prison. That is the full title of the book. So it's the deathbed confession of a guy who will call him James Allen, Mm -hmm. despite his many, many aliases. Um, He was dying in prison in 1837 and asked the warden to take down his account of his life and that it would be bound in his own skin and presented to a man that he once tried to rob and I guess did it unsuccessfully maybe and because he admired the guy he tried to rob for his bravery. Oh, well that's so male bonding. That book was supposedly published on top of him having his own handwritten version in his own skin. Okay. But um Ugh. none of it, it really exists anywhere, so I can't really tell you what all of the stories are inside of it, but it seems pretty cool. Um, there are a lot of human skin bound books in Brown University. Oh, um, they have like the, right now. Yeah, like in the library at Brown, um, they have two copies of. The Dance Macabre, but The Dance of Death by... The Faints? Well, Dance Macabre is like a... It's kind of like a theme through medieval times right after the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. Um, people were obsessed. Basically, the Dance the dance of Death or The Dance Macabre is just um, the idea that everybody ends up doing their final dance with death, whether you're an old man, a rich man, a little girl, like in the end, we all dance with death, right? It's just an ongoing theme. I just thought the faint was being, being fancy Mm -hmm. or unique. Mm -hmm. Which do you think? Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Just sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they have, you have to memorize dance macabre by Camille Saint Song for your music memorizing. I did not. I'm sure. Oh, they love playing that one for which one is that one? Uh, I can't think of the tune right now. Type, but if I find plug it it in here, They have two copies of The Dance of Death by Hans Holbein. Um, They were bound in 1893. One by Zassendorf in London. That's German for what a dork. (laughs) And one that was bound a a few years later by a guy named Alfred Cox in Chicago. And that one is supposed to be decorated with arrows and little death heads and knuckle bones. Yeah. Um, knuckle bones. That's knuckle bones. You know, like gross. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they have a couple other in brown. There's a few at the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. 
because there was a doctor named Dr. John Stockton Howe who removed the skin from the thigh of a woman or from the thigh of a woman named Mary Lynch who had died in 1869 of trichinosis and he bound three books oh no four books in her flesh and there are actual pictures of them if you look them up it doesn't like it's just the the actual binding so in these ones it's not really the cover of the book itself it's just that the middle part. that leather around the spine mm-hmm. and in old books how it kind of comes out about an inch or two onto mm-hmm. the front cover and the back cover mm-hmm. that's the human skin part but there are a couple that are legit full-on skin books which is a weird thing to say because it sounds like porn or something oh did you get the skin books this week yeah so right slang there's one called de destinée de l'âme that harvard has it was presented by arsène Houssay. it's a lot of french names um sounds like some french ass bullshit it was presented by him to the bibliophile dr ludovic Bouland of Strasbourg, who bound it in skin, which he had removed from, quote, the back of an unclaimed body of a woman patient in a French mental hospital who died suddenly of apoplexy. And apoplexy is a stroke. Um, It's just that, sure, you need access to the skin, but you have to tan it. Well, what's weird, this one is the one that kind of fucks me up looking at it because it does, it kind of has pores almost like human skin does. Do you see? And it's the full front and back Uh, cover. And like that's, that to me looks like skin. The other ones don't really like here's. Here's some of the other ones that Brown has. Right. And they just look like regular books yeah. with like how I described before with the binding being yeah. some type of leather. But that one looks like legit. A moleskin. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> a fucking moleskin. So anyways, they have a good amount of books out there. If you go to college anywhere up there, Cincinnati, like Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio has a. (laughs) The fact that they have three of them out of the eighteen. I'm surprised the Ransom Center doesn't have like a whole wing. I was hoping that skin books. books. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like the kind of thing the Ransom Center be like. Yeah, buy up all the skin books. (laughs) Basically, all but two of the skin books are in the U.S. There's one in a French private collection and there's one in Brussels at the Royal Library of Belgium. Mm -hmm. So what if in my will, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need y'all to bind a book with my thigh skin. If you provide a book that we can bind, like, I don't want to write it. Oh, I mean, yeah, but book? you could Probably do whatever you friends. want. <laughs> what book? Oh, you're not going to write a fucking book about my thigh skin? Oh, okay. Hmm. 
I mean, would you choose an existing book or like, would you? Yeah, I want to choose an existing book. I don't know what book yet. Are you going to do Twilight? That's what I was going to ask. Twilight 2? All three of them. There are three? Four of them. All right. I have no idea. There's four. Do you want to go tradition and do like a Bible? Hunger Games? Or, yeah, you're right. Hunger Games. Traditional Hunger (laughs) Games binding. I mean, of all the books. That would make make sense a little bit. Yeah. More sense than Twilight, yeah. Yeah, probably. All right. Well, well, write that will. I will. I will write that will. We'll write your will. Um, Which one of you is next? Oh, oh. I was going to say, so speaking of skin books, um, I want to talk about haunted aircraft. <laughs> speaking of skin books. Haunted aircraft. Let's talk about haunted aircraft. Wouldn't it be cool if like an airplane was made of human skin? Dang. Jesus. That's a lot of <laughs> That's so skin. many... <laughs> Depths. Oh, it probably wouldn't fly because like probably people can't be fly. weirdly crispy or something. Because people can't fly. <laughs> yeah, you have to use birds. Yeah, skin. but like if the skin, no, if like okay. the skin was like a flap, like that's gonna catch air. You're gonna fly. Are you trying to? What if we that. just cover like a Boeing with like human skin? All right, you know? so not the outside, but maybe like just the seats. Oh. Okay. Just in first class. I can't tell which one would take. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's less people. One person per seat probably would be enough. At uh. least two. Yeah, you have to right. cover the whole seat. Uh, oh, yeah. The it back. would try well, to no, hug you. They have all the, in first class, they have like the giant tray and the, the back of the seat doesn't have much upholstery. You're talking about like a... Says the girl who's clearly ridden first class before. <laughs> well, you think we can do four books with one thigh, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Tell um, us your story. Well, there it's not my story. We have stories from a lot of different witnesses. <gasps> um, and they're going to talk about their paranormal activity reported on the planes. Um, that was five, right? The one mm-hmm, on the plane? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm? Paranormal activity. Oh. Mm. Um, so... Most of these ghost stories from airplanes revolve around passengers who are seen by other passengers or crew. Mm -hmm. Uh, One such case comes from Reddit user Uh Violet Lullaby. At least her name isn't... (laughs) It it could be a lot worse than Violet Lullaby. Yeah, it could be Violet Lullaby. From Reddit. Yeah. It could. Um, Yeah. Iowa rules. That would be terrible. (laughs) Um, She was a flight attendant. They were a flight attendant. Uh, It's just, it's instead of he or she. Right? They. Singular they. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they. The royal they. Until I'm proven wrong. Um so they were a flight attendant aboard a B-737, um, smaller plane with the cockpit door close to the crew's seats. Um, when they were at cruising altitude, ca- the captain called asking why two little kids were being allowed to play in front of the cockpit door. The crew reported that there were no kids playing there, but the captain insisted that he was watching them at that moment on CCTV. <gasps> mm. The witness says, leading with another crew, sitting at the crew's seats, denied any kids pl- 
displaying near the area. The seats are seated right next to the cockpit door. But the captain insisted he could actually see two kids, a boy and a girl, playing in front of the door uh, through the CCTV. At this point, leading was not too happy, thinking that their pilots are pulling pranks on them. Ooh, pranks, no. (laughs) Uh, After quite some time, the captain let it go and said to never mind them. When they touched down and got to the hotel, the captain pulled leading aside along with his first officer in tow. He insisted to know if the leading and her crew really didn't see the two kids playing in front of the cockpit door and uh, the GA. I guess general admission? I don't know. Um, She maintained they didn't and and said since the galley is so small anyway... Uh, less than 10 meters long from port side door to starboard's door. The cons... The... Oh, God. Okay. The galley's fucking small. Um, <laughs> she wouldn't miss the two kids playing. Both pilots went blank, then said both have seen the kids playing right beside both FAs and wonder why they let them there. Uh, F.O. confirmed with his captain. Oh. First officer? Yeah, first officer confirmed what his captain had seen. So, there's that story. Okay. Then we have another one from Reddit user. Is this just the Reddit thread? It gets better. Uh, Reddit user <laughs> Wilson X Rudder. Um, and he claims to... Uh, I've seen a man on the wing. So There's someone out there. <laughs> uh, so he claims this happened to a friend who was a flight attendant on a red-eye flight from San Francisco to New York. A friend of a friend. So. Uh, as the passengers were coming in, the witness said that he had distinctly noticed a well-dressed man in his 40s carrying a briefcase who took a seat at the rear of the plane near the restrooms. He didn't think much of it at the time, um, but then when the crew counted the passengers, uh, things got a little weird. He said he sat at the back of the plane near the bathrooms before departure. The F.A.s remembered counting 35 passengers who boarded the flight. Since it was a red-eye flight, most passengers slept through the flight and everything went smooth as usual. Before landing, they recounted the passengers, however, and only came up with 34. (gasps) They thought the passenger was in the bathroom and actually checked it, but it was empty. They eventually figured that it was the man who was seated in the rear of the plane. A F.A. even recounted having a conversation with him about the man's wife and two daughters. When they landed, they notify airport security and checked the flight, uh, checked in back at SFO, and their information only registered 34 people as well. Ooh. So he was never booked to be on the plane. Yeah, so he never checked in. They never walked used his in. Ticket. Yeah. They just saw somebody. They saw someone. Yeah. So the ghost, in addition to haunting an airplane, New. He gets around. Do you think he comes back on a different plane? Yeah. Do you think he knew there'd be a seat open? I Is mean, usually they're booked. That up. particular plane. Yeah. Lisa, do you know? 
She's just giving a stink face. <laughs> is it the same plane or is it the route? Do you haunt the route? May, you know, I would think you would haunt the route. Yeah. Yeah, you haunt the route. But you would have to plane. wait. Do you have to wait for that same time or do yeah. you haunt every flight on that route? Right. And what happens if somebody's sitting in your seat? Do then you, you just appear like, in not- another way. Golly. I mean, Galdern, y'all. I've. Like well, ghosts just, in a hotel usually haunt the, the same room. room. Yeah, we're just trying so to. So why out the wouldn't logistics. you haunt? Yeah, but they haunt in different a. ways. Like sometimes you're just cold. Sometimes they sit there and talk to you, and you feel like you can touch them. But maybe what does that have to do with seat on other number? What? What does it have to do with seat number, Lisa? Like, does it always the same seat? Like, yeah, I think yeah, he probably sat in the back of the plane, had a heart but attack. But is it the same seat? Didn't every get time? to see his two daughters. What? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he only like becomes visible on like the anniversary of his death. That could be it. And the rest of the time, he's just that queasy feeling you get. Maybe he's the guy in the Alanis Morissette song where, mm-hmm. as the plane crashed down, he thought, "Well, well isn't, isn't this, this nice? nice?" Oh, that's definitely him. So yeah, I think we, we should, solved it. We, you know, that's probably that's who this Reddit user's friend a little was. Ironic. It's probably Alanis. It's this is Alanis' real story. True. Yeah. Another guy claimed that he had been on a not very full flight from Denver to New York. Um, and this <laughs> Already is, dubious. The, <laughs> Jesus. Um, this is kind of centered around, uh, there. I don't know about it because I have not read about it, but there is a um, specific Flight 401 that is haunted and like known to be haunted. Okay. Anyway, he's on that. Uh, He's one of the members. Yes. Um, Flight number. Ghost ships exist. But are flight numbers, they're like routes. They're not planes. Right. So he just haunts haunts the route? (laughs) No, the specific flights that are numbered number 401. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Lisa, it's good. It's fine. Uh-huh. We're having a uh-huh. good time. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, now I have to prove a point. Okay. Please. Please. Every time your screen gets a little blacker, I'm afraid that it's your computer blacking out. No. It's just right. It gets darker as you scroll Oh, did down. you switch to night mode? I keep it in night Mm-mm. mode. Mm-hmm. Twitter also. I like it black. Oh, yeah. I am all the way in night mode. Why is it trying to sell me this weird <laughs> Assassin's Creed bullshit? Because <laughs> it's Halloween. Oh, God. Don't you want to go as Little Dead Riding Hood? <laughs> okay, so... Oh, it's from Rose Gal. That won't fit. What's Rose Gal? It's like this, the, you buy Chinese clothes, but even if you buy quadruple extra large, it's still a size zero. They get you with their $2 Wait, are y'all prices. buying clothes right now? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I <laughs> thought you might. were looking up something to prove us wrong. <laughs> I am, but it, yeah, this looks like it's just one flight. Oh, I get it. Okay. So Do it. Are you ready? I'm, I'm, so ready. Fucking, okay. I'm ready, dude. Okay. So this person had reached out to the original author of this article the reddit user no No. okay 
Um, and he was like, I have to tell you this story because the, the, the author of where I'm reading this from, uh, he wrote an article on an, on a flight that went very poorly called flight 401. Okay. I thought you were yawning and I was going to be totally accepting of it. (laughs) Um, anyway, this guy's on this flight from Denver to New York, not very full. So checks out. Um, and the person sitting next to him seemed to be very ill. It was a lone elderly woman uh, with a shawl on, and she had dark circles Mm-mm. under her eyes and a sickly pallor to her complexion. This is just a scene from Airplane. Which one? The first. I speak jive. This <laughs> uh, is Partridge. Flight went on. She just sat there looking straight ahead, but he could see that she was looking. He sat next to her. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. I would be terrified if it wasn't a full flight and I had to sit next to a scary, dying old lady. I would they move could away. Have one seated each other. It was a small flight. Yeah. Go. What if they're sitting up front? Maybe. Maybe know. up front is more important than you not don't get to see by out the front windshield. So what happened to the old lady? So he claims. This lady was looking pretty ill from the get-go, uh-huh. to the point that I was surprised that they had even allowed her on the plane for such a long flight. But after we took off, she looked like hell warmed over. <laughs> she could barely sit up straight. She was almost a yellow color, dark bags under her eyes, and her eyes almost seemed to be bulging from her head. At one point, I asked her if she needed any help, but she just kept staring ahead and ignored me completely. Finally, she struggled to her feet and sort of stumbled off towards the lavatory. And that's when I went to tell a flight attendant about this sickly old lady. I told her I didn't think this lady was doing so hot. And she goes back to the lavatory to check on her. When the flight attendant came back, she told me that there was no one in the lavatory and no sign of the lady matching my description anywhere on the plane. For the rest of the flight, I didn't see her again and haven't been able to explain it since. Oh, wow. So that's another... Wait, was this an overnight flight? I think it was the red eye. I wonder if he'd been like... Passed out and had a lucid dream. Had a lucid dream, yeah. Oh, no, this one wasn't a red eye. Sorry. Still, that's... It's not identified, so that's maybe. fucked up. It's an unidentified. Even if it up. wasn't a sickly old lady in a shawl, just like your seat passenger getting up and then not coming back for the rest of the flight. I would love that. I would just assume they had real bad diarrhea and yeah. then like, cool, I don't have to pee. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to stretch out. Yeah. Mm. Um. So we have uh, two, three more stories. Knock them um, out. One witness on the site, <clears throat> Quora. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. These are all reliable. <laughs> Identifies herself as a flight attendant named Susan Brown. Same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let's see. She's on a new plane for her and a new crew. Um, one of the flight attendants said she had never met before told her that the plane they were on was supposed to be haunted according to this other flight attendant there had once been a passenger who had been on vacation when his wife died the body had been in with the rest of the cargo in a metal container in order to be shipped back home for burial Mm. that was when the haunting started 
It was a metal container, though. That should have kept the ghost in. That's <sighs> not how it works. Um, she says of this, yeah. my coworker told me that, I don't know why I did that, that during the flight, there was a woman who that went to the galley and asked for a drink. The cabin crew told the woman that she will prepare it for her, but she needs to go back to her seat. She'll bring the drink to her. The woman pointed out where she was seated so the crew would know. She also told the crew that she was sitting next to her husband. The crew prepared the drink and took the drink to the woman. When the crew went to the seat, there was only a man sitting there. The crew told the man that there had been a lady that wanted a drink and if the man knew where that lady was. The man told the crew that there was no lady sitting next to him and that he was sitting there alone. The crew told the man... My wife died. There was a lady asking for a drink and pointed out that she was sitting next to him. The crew and the man... Uh, we're having this discussion about this and then the man told the crew that it was impossible because his wife was deceased and was in cargo. The man had told the crew that the crazy part was... Did she order a vodka soda? That the drink the crew was holding... Was it a... Was a Bloody Mary. Oh, okay. Which was actually his wife's favorite drink. Also one of three drinks you can get on a plane. Um, So what are the odds? 33%. 33% chance. So the man was shook. Um, <laughs> let's see. That plane in particular has been uh, prone to strange phenomena, such as strange noises, moving or vibrating objects, and things being knocked over by unseen hands. Moving or, or vibrating objects. You know, that is the essence of an airplane. It's called turbulence. Um, personnel who know of this plane are very cautious. I don't believe I it. I hope so. The FAA would like them to be. Give us those um, other stories. A similar story comes from a flight attendant named Amanda Pleva, who talks Pleva. about a plane well known by her colleagues as Christine. What? Named after the haunted car in the Stephen King novel. Mm. She told <clears throat> Flyer Talk. Wait, what? Is that a site or a magazine like Cat Fancy? Uh, it's Flyer Talk. It's in italics, so it's maybe both. Mm. Um fire talk christine doesn't bother me but sometimes but some avoid flying on her because of the stories lights that turn themselves off and on unusual sounds sudden temperature spikes and drops at my airline we've always counted on aircraft number 502 to have a mind of her own she does seem to quote behave for some people more than others but lots of people have claimed to have seen her be quite temperamental christine doesn't bother me but some avoid flying on her because of the stories which are um okay flyer talk didn't talk flyer to her talk that didn't long. get that far okay um not so much then there's flyer a cocktail chat flight attendant for united airlines james wysong who uh <laughs> shared his experience with the site <clears throat> travelers united he tells of a flight he had been on to Europe uh, aboard an older 747, and one of the other flight attendants told him that the plane they were on was haunted. Um, there had been an accident years ago where a cargo, do- a ca- cargo door had spectacularly blown off, sent people tumbling out into the night. <gasps> oh, no. Their bodies never found. Well, shit, that would be in the news. Yeah. 100%. That's, that's not like that a rumor happen. story. That's, yeah. Oh, Malaysia. Uh, James describes <laughs> yeah, himself Malaysia as a skeptic 
and thought it was just a spooky tale. Um, he started to work, or he started his work down in one of the prep kitchens in the lower galley, um, along with his coworker named Martha. Lower, oh, like lo- like farther down. I get it. I was like, it's not just du- a weird double decker yeah. plane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess seven forty sevens are a double decker, aren't they? Oh, I don't know. I've never been on one. Hmm. I know all the the numbers of the planes that I've been on. What <laughs> kind? Do you ever get on four hundred one? Because that one, I specifically avoid all flights. All right. So uh, when he's working in the galley, um, he says suddenly one of the ovens started turning off. And on, as if it had a short, uh, short circuit. An alarm bell sounded, as it always does when an oven shuts off. I gave the oven a quick smack. This seemed to solve the problem, but a moment later, the other ovens join in. Ovens on, ovens off, bells ringing all over the place. The overhead lights start to dim. Mm-hmm. I was becoming concerned. Then Martha called. Her ovens were behaving strangely, too. How big is this plane? One at the front, one at the back. Yep. I don't know. Maybe that's just I me. don't know. Not um, big enough for one electrical short not to cause problems throughout the plane. This guy then says, I summoned my manliest bluster. It's just faulty wiring. I told her nothing to worry about. Uh-huh. But then I noticed Manly a new sound. Manly bluster. <laughs> this is just for the reporters. Um, but then I noticed a new sound, a small whistle that trailed away each time one of the ovens turned off. A weird ghostly, ooh, did something. <laughs> ooh, I'm so turned off now. I'm so Good turned night. off. You're Good manly. Night. You're manly, Bluster. Ooh. <gasps> um, like something from a bad horror movie. Mm-hmm. Just the fans, I told myself. I packed up all the meals and sent them upstairs. Then I turned off the oven. It is. Did you hear that? Upstairs. It is a double-decker bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm plane. plane. Whatever. Sky bus. Um, two of them continued on uh, to cycle on and off. Just the wiring, I thought. Then the overhead lights went dark. A short circuit, I thought. When my music started to slow down as if the batteries were dying, I beat it out of there. I knew the batteries were brand new. In his Walkman? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the weird part. Wait. When I wrote up the problem on the airplane's mechanical log, I found that it had been written up many times before. Why is that so? It's just a chronic issue with that plane. That actually explains. Yeah, that makes it more implausible. Damn it! (laughs) Each time mechanics were unable to fix it or even confirm its existence, the problem seemed to occur. Every electrical problem only in flight. When mechanics ran when the, a ground check, the systems were fine. After that trip, I heard about other flight attendants bringing Ouija boards and holding seances during oh crew rest. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's more plausible than United Maintenance crews sucking shit and making every flight late. I mean, it is the United flight we're fucking talking about. It is, yeah. Oh, I guess if they're going like to Europe, that's a bigger... Plane? No, I've been to Europe. You know, seven forty sevens have like a little bragging. second floor. You have too, right? No, oh, you have what? Been Europe. to Europe? Yes. Yeah, but only by boat. 
That's why I don't belong here. From America? (laughs) Only by boat. It took 27 days to get there. Yeah, it was quite a crossing. It was a ship of dreams. Y'all can ask my parents about a damn transatlantic cruise because they done it. Mm, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. I'll let them tell you. I don't want to ever be on a cruise ship. And it's only partially because I'm trying to avoid your parents. But What's your story, Morning Glory? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it starts with a wonder wall. Okay, so this... (laughs) What is that face? I I was just excited. Okay. That's the it was like a mac cat. and me face. No, that's the cat in <laughs> Puss in Boots who always goes, oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, this lady named Mary Toft was a British peasant, and she was born in the early 1700s, and she got married to another peasant and they made, when they were like 17 and 18, and they made themselves three babies in seven tries. Because uh, giving birth was kind of hard back mm-hmm. then. And you just kept working the whole time you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. So even though mis- miscarriages were already common enough, that made them even more common. And right. pretty much anybody tried to or did give birth at least have one, right? Don't so. we still have to fucking work through manual but field this is like, hand labor? Yeah, she was uh, literally harvesting hops from a... Farm. Which I'm sure there are still plenty of women who yeah. are out there oh, doing I'm, it. It only just a, sucks. Well, not in England, though. Only in America. Yeah. We're talking about barbaric places like America now and England in the 1700s. <laughs> so Got it. She... Something a red coat would say. Got pregnant again. <laughs> oh, my God. I've been found out. Uh, she got pregnant again in 1726. And uh, it was another miscarriage. And this time she delivered just kind of lumps of flesh. And like kind of a half of a placenta. I feel like this is Wonderwall. <laughs> so they called the obstetrician, uh, whose name was John Howard. He that was, live song, sorry. He was the local doc. Her placenta falls to the floor. <laughs> Well, yeah. half a placenta. And he go he goes, well, okay, well, let's take a look. Uh, and then he kind of goes in there and he pulls out uh, three legs of a cat, Ugh. one rabbit's foot, uh, another cat's uh, guts, and then like the backbone of an eel. It from oh, her. From her inside. From her uterus. From, yeah. like From her birth canal. From through the cervix, yes. Not <laughs> he just said from, birth canal so angrily. I'm very upset. <laughs> Not just the like all the way through the cervix, like it was okay. in her womb. Yeah. Are you sure he didn't go up the butt? Yeah, he does the obstetrician. I mean, this is also in the 18th century. So well, but oh wait, that was your butthole. Sorry, sorry no, I don't sorry, think sorry. they made that mistake too often. There's they had a difference. crusty buttholes back then. You didn't wipe. Yeah, because you had you to just work. Jiggled your poop from your butt and then went on. It's exactly correct. <laughs> just shake as hard as you can. You do. You just wiggle your tush. Oh. And then you torque a what bit. What if you have? So he pulled cat arms and legs, <laughs> an eel spine, and, and some, some guts and, and a rabbit leg and a rabbit's 
foot. We'll out call of, it a foot for so good it's luck. lucky. Yeah, out of her uterus. Uh, so he was like, well, that's interesting. So he wrote Whoa. <laughs> his uh, bosses or whatever, and uh, the word starts getting around in the papers of the day. Local woman gives birth to animal parts. Nobody thinks much of it until a week later, she gives birth to a, a whole rabbit. A whole... A live one? Dead rabbit. Oh. A whole another dead rabbit. And then oh. a whole another de- nine dead rabbits come out of her puss. All at once? Kind of in a series, like a, a litter. So like, but in one sitting? In one... Oh. In one, in yes. one birthing? One like birthing, yes. Okay, one labor. Yeah. So now at this God point, <laughs> what's happening? At this point, uh, it's starting to get like national attention. You know, dun, 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 dun. woman keeps giving birth to rabbits. Mm-hmm. They um, didn't have a dun, 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 dun back then. <laughs> that was how it was invented. It was on a trumpet. Yes, like horses I believe flopping it. around. Yep. Yeah, letters. Probably. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so. They start sending letters out to like England's most respected doctors and scientists. And the cops. To come investigate. There were no cops. This is Mm. before cops had been invented. Um, And so there was sheriffs, but no cops. I wish Mariska Hardigay was there. She would have figured it out. This is going to end up not being a hard one to figure out. But let's walk through it. Yeah. Because it's kind of fun. Yeah. All right. So the most respected uh, surgeons and stuff go down there somebody named nathaniel saint andre from switzerland and samuel molyneux the prince of wales personal secretary come down uh they move her from her little village of godalming to this bigger town called guildford where john howard continued to receive all of her rabbits that she kept giving birth to and he would pickle them and put them in a jar oh on a shelf in his study to and keep them yeah, yeah so he had a lot of rabbits you had to preserve them for what um, Research. Research. So on November 15th of this year, so this started in like summer, uh, St. Andre and Molyneux finally arrive and they luckily get there on a birthing day and they watch her 15th dead rabbit emerge. And St. Andre insists on examining the stomach of the bunny. And he does, mm. and the stomach has, you know, hay and grass in it. And he's like, well, this rabbit... This rabbit is eaten. ...has been outside the yeah. womb before. You can't, you can't magically have... Unless you were... Yeah, that doesn't get through the umbilical or whatever. Do you get that? Yep, it took me a minute. Okay. Yep. I'm on board. So, and then he looked at all the pickled ones, and some were like rabbit fetuses, and some were like three-month-old rabbits or whatever. But he started... He thought about it, and he's kind of explaining it away. Um as like a supernatural occurrence and he started interviewing mary toft and he's like dude why rabbits and she goes well one day a rabbit scared me in the field and i haven't been able to stop thinking about rabbits since and he said aha this is something they're called just manifesting in my womb maternal impression where oh. pregnant women are so vulnerable and weakened that if they see something and it impresses itself on them hard enough they will then fucking give birth to it. This was Shit. an accepted scientific... The power of a woman, you know. This and Pete was, Davidson's mom. <laughs> this was the explanation for all birth defects. So, you know, the elephant man? Yeah. yeah. 
that was in this time and his mother apparently was startled by an elephant at the circus when she was pregnant with him and that's why they called him the elephant man because not because he, was he had supposed, elephantitis he was supposed well they called named elephantitis after him oh okay um so be, not because of how he looked but because he was supposedly part elephant because his mom had maternal impression disorder or whatever that must have been so fun to be back then and be like we're gonna make up some fucking reasons for Hell your yeah. crazy ass Hell so yeah. maternal impression later Sold. november and that's the, why your kid looks like an ass End of November, Toft gets taken off to London, and they're like, "We got it. We got. We got to watch you." So they take her to. Someone farted on me while I was pregnant. Now my son looks like a literal ass. (laughs) (laughs) That would explain a lot of the British people. Okay, so she uh, gets examined a lot by different doctors, but she stopped giving birth to rabbits, and she seemed kind of sick. They're like, "Oh, because she's had a bunch of rabbits up in her." They just, uh, yeah. putting grass and hay in there. They just start taking care of her. Meantime, the king of England uh, visits and... Who is the king then? George the first. What year are we on again? 17, early 1700s. Okay. 1727, I think at this point. 1726. Um, So the king of England takes interest and demands that this woman, Mary Toft, uh, birth a rabbit for him. Uh, and, and she just she can't she can't she can't she can't do it she can't do it she just can't get She's rabbit like, pregnant you keep anymore. Startling me with rabbits. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> the fun part was this skept- the one skeptic in this whole thing uh, was Harry Davenant, who was a member of like the court or whatever. Is he a zookeeper? And he had the brilliant idea of like going and asking around back in her village and he goes to like her husband he's the first cop (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and is like so what's up with your wife and the rabbits he's like i don't know i bring her rabbits and then she gives birth to them and they're like oh no shit so she'd just been shoving animals into herself God, and to get them all the way up there. Well, she got the first one with the cat legs and yeah. the little tiny parts that she actually got through the cervix. That was right after a miscarriage when your cervix is still open. Okay. <laughs> the rest of them all came straight from the vag because that cervix was closed. And okay. I don't care what you're I, doing. Okay. Yeah. I'm fine with whole rabbits, but cat legs. Uh-huh. Is, and in eel right? bone. You I'm know fine that's with an eel bone. It's raw on the end, but like think about an eel's spine. Like it's prongs. It's like a fucking centipede bone, basically. Sounds like a fun thing to shove up your pussy. I don't. I I heavily disagree. Okay. <laughs> See, <laughs> she's <What>? just like. <laughs> it makes well, like you a know xylophone what? sound. Fuck me. I'll leave with my eel bone. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in London, uh, they catch a porter trying to sneak a baby rabbit into her room. Of uh, course. And apparently she had asked him to get the smallest rabbit he could find because she was in a lot of pain and was very over this. Um, but for some reason, despite all this catching rabbits going into her room and her husband essentially confessing, 
the doctors, especially St. Andre, still believed that this was a maternal impression case. And they mm. think that she was just trying to force one for the king, but that the rest were legit. And they said, okay, well, you know, really to solve this case, because we can't take your word for it, you're a woman, or people's words for it, we're going to uh, perform surgery just to see what your reproductive organs look like. Well, you'll be fine. We're just going to take a peek. Covered in fur. And that's when she was like, no, fuck, this is, I, it's, I, I did this. She totally oh, confesses yeah, yeah. to like, don't not, open me please, up in please. 1726. Yeah, yes. right? Yeah. Oof. Um, so she confesses, it gets out to the papers, and this all happens the day St. Andre's book, A Short Narrative of an Extraordinary Delivery of Rabbits, had been published. It's, so he is fucking yeah. ruined. Like, literally, his book just hit the bookstores or whatever they had back then, and... The that newspapers are all like, sucks. it was a hoax. Yeah, so he's fucked. But like, so are every legitimate doctor in London, because they all believed this theory. Well, I mean, why would they think that some woman would be sticking rabbits up there? <laughs> it's never happened right. before, ever. Except for the fact that like, the rabbits had food in their belly. Right. They, uh, she was complaining of pains in, in her you know, guts yeah. um, from probably being scratched by rabbit claws as it <laughs> in or pooped in. Yeah. Or both. Or, probably both like the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely defecating and scratching. Also, how did the fetus rabbits get up there? Did she put a pregnant rabbit upper and then that no, pregnant rabbit gave birth inside just... of her. Let's talk about that. Inception. So yeah, maybe. Maybe, or maybe she cut Birth. open a pregnant rabbit. Do you think there's ever been, like, that's a thing to think about, like, birth inside of another... A birth in a birth? Birth, yeah. Or just birth inside in another being, other than maybe, like, bacteria or something, but, Ugh. you know, like... Well, if anybody could have pulled it off, it would have been Mary Toft, except for the part where she wasn't really giving birth. Or Luke Skywalker. He gets inside of the Tauntaun. What if he had given birth? Yeah, but that's dead. The Tauntaun is dead. And plus, both Luke Skywalker and the Tauntaun are male. So birth inside of a thing that's alive. Yeah, like, what if a squirrel that was pregnant fell inside of a kangaroo pouch and then had babies? That'd be awesome. That'd be adorable. Do you think they would survive? Probably I, not, right? Well, it depends well, on I don't know what happened after. the membrane of a... Yeah. Of a kangaroo. Yeah, that's probably like the safest place to give birth. Yeah, it's like a womb but that like, you can get out of. But like what about the mom squirrel? It would probably die in there. No, the mom squirrel would probably be like, God, luxury accommodation. It's well, but furry the kangaroo, and it's not, well, it's, yeah, but it's like a membrane and isn't there like a little like teat almost in there that yeah. the baby kangaroo just sort of attaches to because they're mm -hmm. like this big. but they're like fetus size yeah they're like a tiny. newborn squirrel would be newborn squirrel not fetus <sighs> why did we start okay i'm anyway. sorry that's <laughs> all right birth and a birth that's a i really want to figure like i'm sure that russian guy probably tried it anyway which one uh so anyway she somehow didn't die of a bacterial infection despite it being you know 18th century Britain and shoving a bunch of animals up her. So, but what she did do after she confessed immediately, and by the way, she was convicted of a hoax and Witchery. she was charged with the official 
crime of being a notorious and vile cheat. (laughs) (laughs) She was nice. Thrown into Bridewell Prison in London for a four-month sentence, during which she was the most popular exhibit at the prison because people would come. Mm -hmm. Back then, the cells were public facing. Go visit, and they were just like, "Yeah, I'll go take a look at her." So I fucking I would fucking go to a prison zoo. That'd probably be like what the Munchausen's lady would have wanted. Mm. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Even though she confessed to the hoax and got charged with the crime, the whole time she claimed, look, none of this was my fucking idea. It's not like it's not my fault. I had to do it. It's my husband's. Well, they never investigated that because they were just like, oh, of course you're going to say that. But who cares? You got caught shoving rabbits in your puss. Right. Case closed. So now historians are going back and being like, wait, what the hell's going on here? Who and why would they make this happen? It's not just some woman out for attention. Somebody was trying to prove a point. And the thing was that rabbits back then were a controversial thing because the nobility would keep and breed rabbits for their meat, which was very popular at the time. That was like the main meat. Mm -hmm. That was their chicken and their fur. And they'd make luxurious goods for each other and all that. But of course the rabbits would get out, breed, go to the peasants' fields, eat all their crops. The peasants hated them, but the nobles kept breeding them. And it mm-hmm. was like part of the, it was kind of like a symbol of the fight between the nobility and the peasants. And they think somebody was trying to like propagate this fraud to make the nobility look stupid, especially the king using the symbol of rabbits. Hmm. So that's a theory. And there's two scholars who have been like digging into this super deep right now. One of them, she's teaching a class at Glasgow or the university um, kind of on media hoaxes and how it ties into like modern day fake news shit. And right. Like, you know, what does it all mean? And then there's another guy who's got a novel coming out in one month where he's like read everything there is to know about this case and he's novelizing it from the perspective of Mary Toft, which I'm really excited to read. Um, cause it's like supposedly sticks all the way to the facts. It just imagines what the hell she was thinking this whole time. Um, so anyway, she, uh, unlike most people in that time did not die shortly thereafter. She lived to the age of 60. Uh, she died in 1763, which is pretty damn good for a peasant in the 18th century. Uh, and in her obituary, she was noted as Mary Toft, widow, the impostress of rabbits. Ooh. So this followed her, her whole life. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course it did, though. Like, And the press, like, always, like, made a lot of jokes. I guess because, like, the, uh, the word for rabbit in Latin and the word for vulva are pretty similar. similar. Mm-hmm. They're both uh, caniculus and cunnus, which is where we get cunt. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so like... Cunnilingus. She was Benicula. basically like Monica lewinsky for the rest mm-hmm. of her life for this thing that she probably didn't want to do, but felt like she had to. So, okay. So we're saying that she did it for uh, political reasons? She probably didn't do it. Some, somebody in her like circle or her village set up this hoax and forced her to do it to make a pr- political point to make the doctors and, po- and nobility look foolish okay. is the theory. Okay. If you believe Mary Toft that she did not want to do this and she was miserable, but she didn't want to like confess because then she knew what would happen. She'd get thrown in jail and made fun of the rest of her life. Right. 
Well, I mean, there's other things that could have happened there. That, like what? Uh, maybe her husband was a big piece of shit. I don't maybe, know why yeah. I'm like just so against men right now, but... <laughs> Uh, no, I think that's I it's either think her that's husband. Where he's like, husband. "Oh, you can't give birth to my kid. We'll put this fucking stupid rabbit up there." Also, like she started with, they had a good relationship though, and he was also a peasant, like not a he wasn't even literate, and they did have three kids. I don't think it was, I think it was some so, other dude. Okay, so these people who are not literate were making a polit- okay so you think someone else who was literate was well, being a political statement. I would say yeah. why would they start then with cat, cat legs yes that's and my an yes eel. and an eel why are we starting there I don't know just put a fucking tiny bunny up there there's only questions there are no answers and some people think it might be Saint Andre who is just trying to get famous who like pretty quickly because of the hay and the rabbit's gut thing figured out oh these were live rabbits right. that you're shoving up there but keep doing it because I'm going to make some bank This is on a lot this. of popularity right yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Huh. So maybe it was like she did it the first time for some unknown reason, but then like this doctor kept her going until it became like this huge thing that she couldn't get out of. Are there any other stories of women sticking live animals inside of them to give birth to them dead? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I stopped I bet at this you one. There are. Yeah. There have to be. I don't know. If I, I mean, wanna, I don't really want to Google that. Richard Gere did it. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, if you feel like reading a scholarly paper on it, what Mary Toft felt women's voices, pain, power, and the body is in the history workshop journal. Do, it's a really good read. Do people still put hamsters up their ass? I don't know. I'm sure they do, but I mean, do you mean like, is it still trendy? Was it ever trendy? It seemed like it was like trendy for a minute. I think think it it just was spotlighted. Yeah. Wasn't that like the original ice bucket challenge? Right. (laughs) Probably. Oh. Probably. Did y'all learn anything? We learned. We learned a lot about airplanes. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot about ghosts on planes. I never really thought about the difficulty of haunting an airplane before. I mean, I, I, I mean, know we were kind of teasing, ha- but honestly, the craft that- itself is it's the same as haunting a boat. I feel like you could also haunt uh, a lane, a sky lane, a sky lane. Yeah. Stop looking, Lisa. <laughs> Look at me like. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Do you like that? Do you like that one? Um. I think we learned nobody knows for sure. Okay. Mm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You don't know if that I think all book those, is bound in skin. I think they're all ape skin. It might be. Yeah. But except for the one that... Except for like, the one that looks real. The one that looks real and the one where the guy was like, I'm telling you my story. Take my body and wrap it around this fucking book. Yeah, that guy was real. I believe that. I, I bet a... I bet they're mostly skin. Yeah. All the ones in Cincinnati for sure. Yep. Um, Doctors are important. (laughs) Yes. Doctors are important. True. All right. Thanks. So long. Farewell.